Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and everybody's happier because Chris is here today. Yay. You know... You might end up someday having to be on every episode because people just get sad when you're not on them. I don't believe it. I kind of don't either, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. Which, which means my little payments are working out. Yeah, people are, <laughs> you paying them or are they paying you? I'm paying them. Oh, okay. That's only going to last so long, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Funds are drying up, folks. <laughs> for, anyway. for me, not for her. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway... My, we're sitting in my office right now, and I'm, like, distracted by the fact that, like, you've pulled a cabinet out from the wall. You want to know why, guys? This is kind of a fun little fact. So this office, people are like, can you just get to the questions? I'll get there when I get there. Um, this, this is how every story with her goes, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, can you... Don't tell me how to... <laughs> <laughs> he always wants to accelerate. I just want the answer. No, but I was going to say this... This used to be, what would you call it? Like a, it workshop, a workshop? It was a workshop. But like an old, crappy, real bad workshop. It was a workshop. And then underneath, there was like a root cellar, which I didn't I didn't know that term root cellar. So if somebody's listening and like, what the heck is a root cellar? What, how would you describe it? It's a small foundation under a portion of the building. And it's for it was for like farming. Yeah, it, there's there's some holding tanks and whatnot under there that looked like they were water holding tanks for the property when it had sure. animals and and you know well we have animals Either but way. they had more animals. So Chris has decided that he needs to decide he needs to determine how big the water tank is below. Really, he just wants an excuse to dig up all the earth and pull this tank out with some elaborate measure because he thinks he could turn the tank into something cool. Well, no. We, we have a pool being dug this week, and if another company comes across a, a storage tank underground, <laughs> it's going to put a stop to everything because they have to f- determine what kind of tank it is. They have to find out if there's an environment, environmental impact, if there's anything still in it that could spill. And it pushes our pool out uh, who knows how long. Yeah, I know. But the chances that the tank is big enough to get into the area where the pool is are slim. It's you've, three you've been and wanting, a half feet across. You have been wanting to dig up this tank since you found it. Am I right? I have. I have. Okay. Now absolutely you have. just have. But now <laughs> there happens to be a pool that's going to be put in right out there. And I just have to make sure it is not going to impede. I don't have to dig the whole thing up right now. I just have to do a pilot hole. To see if it come down if it comes down in that area. If it doesn't, then so great. the bottom line here is that this could be the last day of my office because Chris has just called and rented an excavator because God forbid we have professionals do this. He is going. There's also a tree kind of growing out from underneath the office that he is going to dig out with the excavator, and its proximity to my office walls is like 
inches. This is not the first time I've, I've rented these excavators. I've used these multiple times on our properties, and I have yet to damage anything beyond repair. You've yet to remove something that is inches away from a structure. That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. Not true at all. Yes, it is. Anyway, we've got questions. We've got giveaways. Today, I'm sticking with Sleep Plus because... We have I'm, so much of it. No, no, no. It's not oh. that. I, I actually just ordered more because I'm still getting messages about it every day because it's not the breathing spray on Amazon. <laughs> it's not on Amazon. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions. I get it from Amari. You can message me if you're like, I want to learn more about it. I'll send you the link. No big deal. But I'm still literally every day getting messages about Sleep Plus. So obviously it's popular. So let's give away what the people want. People want to sleep. People do want to sleep. They want better sleep. You know what? I want to sleep. I want you to sleep. I know. Anyway. Somebody. We will we will give this away at the end of the show, but let's dive into, we've got a wide swath of oh, questions. Oh, so many differing questions. Yeah, but I love that. So keep the questions coming, que- kids. Question number one. Okay. How did you decide you were ready to write a book and what steps did you take to start? I've never been ready to write a book. <laughs> if you wait until you're ready, you'll never do something. Yeah. Seriously, I was not ready to start chasing cupcakes. I quit many times. Chris is like, yeah, that was annoying. She started over. I mean, she had a finished book and she was like, nah, scrap that. Start over page one. Yeah. We've talked about that before, how I wrote basically, I think, three versions of Chasing Cupcakes that I discarded completely and started from scratch. Um, I haven't done that with book two. I've been a little bit more focused from the jump, but I wasn't ready for book two either. I don't, it's kind of like being ready to have kids, right? There's always going to be a reason not to be ready. I don't wait until I'm ready, so I've never decided that I was ready. What steps did I take to start? I think that's where I kind of screwed up on Chasing Cupcakes. I wasn't really clear at the start on exactly what I wanted the book to be. And you don't have to have that clarity to start, but it's going to be a lot more painful if you don't. It's going to take a lot longer if you don't have that clarity. So I think what has been helpful, I mean, look, writing a book is hard whether you have clarity or you don't, but what has been much more helpful with book two is while I didn't know the content at the start, I really had a very strong sense of what I wanted the book to be and who I wanted it to be for at the start. So that's where I would start. You don't need to have an idea of the content. You don't have to have a book deal. You don't have to have a time frame. You don't have to figure out how and where to sell it. You don't have to know any of that stuff to start. But I do think it helps to have a crystal clear sense of what the book is and who it's for. But deciding you're ready, ah. And just relentlessly attack it. Yeah, I work on it every day. I mean, it's like George George Patton said, a good plan violently executed is better than a, be- a, a perfect plan executed next week. Violently executed? Yes. Oh. He was a general, so I mean. Yeah, I don't have violent execution of this book, but I do have dogged persistence. And I think that's what it takes because, you know, you're not going to want to do it. It's going to be hard. It's you're going to have doubt, all of those things. You can do it while it's hard. You can do it with doubt. You can do it without motivation. Just, just do it. Yeah. That's next. Nike. Nike. <laughs> just do it. Oh, okay. Not sponsored, but hey. You yeah, we know. can't just throw out free, <laughs> free brand acknowledgements here. What do you think this is? Next question. When it comes to other people's comments, how do you tune them out or change your thinking to help? This is tricky. 
and 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 it, honestly, it's not tricky. It's just hard if you're wired to care, right? Because I look at my husband across the table who is not wired to care. At a, but it's funny because some things do get under your skin, but for the most part, some people are wired to just really genuinely not give a flip. I mean, when, when it's me, I, I, I look at how much I value the person making the comment. If you've got little value to me, your comment's got little value to me, so I could care yeah, but, less. But, 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 Couldn't but, care less. No, truthfully, though, there are people in your family that you you value them, but when they say or do something, like it doesn't get under your skin. Um, probably because I wasn't paying attention to whatever they were saying or doing. False, you know, and everything with Dagny, there are things that you've you've noticed and you've paid attention to, but like you don't let it get under your skin. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I I'm affected. I just am not as outwardly vocal about my effects as you are. Yeah. So, all right. How, when it comes to other people's comments, how do you tune them out or change your thinking? I actually don't think you should tune them out. I really don't think you should tune them out because there's a lesson and there's learning in every single one of them. Whether it is a lesson for you and learning for you or it's for the relationship or your understanding of other people, I really feel strongly that tuning it out is the wrong way to go. Now, look, there are a lot of other people's opinions that come my way that I totally disagree with and don't want to change anything about my approach based on, you know, their their feedback, their comments, their thoughts, but I don't want to tune it out because it's a good opportunity for me to check and see like is there something in this that rings true? Is there something in this that I can learn from? Is there something in this that helps me understand other people better? So I don't think tuning it out is the way to go. But in terms of changing your thinking, the biggest one for me is that, that I, I turn to, I, I honestly, probably 10, 20 times a day some days, is not having the expectation that people are going to think the way you think they should think. Yeah. Right? Because, and this has been one of the top five challenges of the last year for me, for sure, is other people's thoughts, words, comments, inactions, actions, all of that. If I have the expectation that they are going to do things the way I think they should, that they're going to respond the way I think they should, then I'm expecting that they think the way that I do. And the truth is, they haven't had my experiences. They haven't done the work that I have done, right? Maybe they've done their own work, but allow for people to think differently, just like you think differently than other people. And there is no doubt that you've said things or done things or not said things or not done things that other people haven't understood. You don't want to be holding to the expectation that you're going to act the way other people want you to act, right? Because you want to be free to make your own decisions based on your experiences, based on where you're at in your journey, based on your priorities. And if we want that, then we have to give that. That does not mean that it is easy, but there is always learning in it. There is always learning in it. And the, and the bottom line is you get to choose how much of your time and your energy and yourself you put into it. So multiple times a day, things come into my mind, like thoughts of what somebody did or didn't do or said or didn't say, and it like stings. It gets me. But I get to choose in those moments how much time, energy, thought, 
am I going to allow myself to put in this? How much time am I going to spend here mentally, right? How much of my resources am I going to put here right now emotionally? Because I can redirect. I can redirect to somebody else, to something else. And Chris and I were driving home um, just the other day, and I was asking him because we're coming up crazily on one year since Dagny was born. And I said, um, you know, what are some of the things that you feel like you've learned from this? And you said something along the lines of like, focus on the people who, who did show up, not the people who didn't show up. And it really is a redirect. It doesn't mean that I don't think a million times of things that I wish were handled differently. I do, but I can choose in those moments to focus on things that were done that really moved me or things that people did that were special and meaningful and relationship building and life giving and all of that. So I don't think tuning them out is the way to go. Changing your thinking really begins with allowing people to be different from you, allowing people to have different ways of deciding because they have different experiences and different perspectives than you do. And then lastly, reminding yourself and practicing constantly the fact that you are in control of how much time and energy you give to that thing. But that could be something I talk about for decades because it literally has been one of my hardest struggles of the last year. Not the hardest, but one of. Yeah. And Chris knows that because it comes up most days. A lot. Yeah. What time management tips do you have when you're working full time and have other daily responsibilities? Have you tried journaling? <laughs> <laughs> That's Chris's line. But it's true. No, it's seriously true. I Set a schedule, too. I feel very strongly that... Centering yourself around your goals and your priorities every day and having a clear sense of the flow of your day, knowing that no day is going to go perfectly according to plan, is critical. If you wake up and you just have a sense in your mind of the things you need to do in the time frame you're operating on, you're screwed. You're at a disadvantage. So that is the very reason that the Changemakers Journal exists, because I know I'm not alone in having a lot of competing priorities plus daily responsibilities. And I need a tool to help me stay focused. And that's what the Changemakers Journal is. So check that out if you haven't already, right? That's, that's totally huge. But the other thing is assign a time to tasks, right? Don't just leave open like, oh, I need to work on this project because uh, I believe we've talked about this before. I think it's Parkinson's law that a task will expand to the amount of time that you give it. So if you just have an open sort of sense that like, well, I need to do this and then when I'm done with it, I'll move on to the next thing. It's going to be very different than if you say, I'm giving myself 20 minutes to get this thing done. It's a bit of a shaky law. A task will expand the amount of time that you give it. No, it's like if you if you give yourself a week to pack. Parkinson's law. Oh, that's yeah, that's inappropriate, you jerk. <laughs> what? <laughs> Golly, Mister Insensitive over here. Send your emails to him, not me. Okay, I'm not responsible. I, I lost a uh, great grandfather to Parkinson's. I'm familiar with it. I didn't see you. Clearly, you're familiar with it because of your joke. I'm just saying that it was insensitive. But anyway. Um, send your, send your <laughs> hate mail to Christopher at primal potential. Yeah, exactly. Please. Um, spare I, me. I, I will respond to every single one. of them. <laughs> Great. Now you've set yourself up for, <laughs> don't worry. He doesn't check that inbox all that often guys. Um, oh, oh, he does. <laughs> um, 
What was I talking about? Parkinson's. Oh, if it if you give yourself a week to pack for a trip, you're going to be packing for a week. If yeah. you give yourself 20 minutes to pack, you're, you're going to be packed. 20 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> um, That's what I do. <laughs> so, oh, we have to be out the door in five minutes? Give me a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that for me, like later today, I have to do the daily mindset upgrades. If I just give myself unlimited time to do it, I'm going to dilly-dally. I'm going to check Facebook. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. If I say I've got an hour to get this done... I'm going to get it done in an hour. Now, that is a practice, right? It is a skill you have to build, but it is a skill you can build through practice. But I would say, number one, check out the Changemakers Journal. That's what it exists for. And number two, set some parameters around your days. And this is something, again, that you learn through practice. I for the longest time, wouldn't give myself adequate time or I would not, or I would give myself too much time and then I would waste the time. But now after doing this for so long, I know how long it takes to bang out a podcast. I know how long it takes to do five or seven DMUs. Like I know these things from experience. So that helps. And do you know who Parkinson's Law was named after? No, tell me. Cyril Parkinson. He wrote it for actually a little a humorous essay for The Economist back in 1955. Oh, lovely. Chris is Googling. What else you got for me? How do you make tough, life-changing decisions? Don't know. I, I mean, I know who asked this question, too. And um, Are we going to put them on blast? No, no, because I get it. But, like, I look at, we've made some big, life-changing decisions in this last year, right? I mean, you going back to work was a big decision, but the fact is, like, it's, it's undoable, right? Most things, even if you initially tell yourself, oh, it's not undoable, yeah, it is. Might not be easy, might not be fast, might cost some money, might take some time, but you can undo it, right? So with Chris, you know, with Dagny, we planned for him to be home full time. We made the decision for me to make really big changes in my work and take some time of scaling way back, though that's huge and scary and big, and for Chris to go back to work. We could change that. Now, is it easy? I've made massive changes in my business in the last six months so that I could have, well, I thought I would have more time, but then I don't yet. But I will. When this book is done and I'm done getting ahead on podcasts before baby, like I'll have more time. Chris is like, no, you won't. But no, seriously, <laughs> the, the, the point of these big changes we made was to set up our life in a way that we wanted to set up our life. Do I know if they're going to work? Nope. But you have to get really clear on what is the kind of life you want to live, right? And chances are the changes that you have to make are not going to be sure things. If you're making big, tough life decisions and you're looking at what do I really want for my life, chances are it's not going to be a sure thing. But everything can be adjusted and course corrected. It's not like you make this one thing and then you can't tweak, adjust, shift, pivot, or turn around completely and go in a very different direction. You can. And again, doesn't mean that'll be easy. Doesn't mean that'll be fast. Doesn't mean that will be free or inexpensive. It won't be. But that's how we learn in life. And the people who are resistant to making big, tough life changes because they don't know how it'll turn out, you're just going to stay the same then. And maybe that's okay with you. But for me, where we have been in the last year, it wasn't okay to stay the same. Like some big things had to shift. I still don't know if the big changes that we've made 
are the right ones, will be the right ones, will work out. I have no idea. But what I do know is that we can intelligently adjust regardless, right? So when I made the decision, we used to do huge quarterly launches for the 12 Weeks to Transformation. We more or less... Scrapped it. Yeah, I mean, it's available as a self-study, which is great. And I, and I pray that people take advantage of it because not only is it more affordable and more accessible than ever. You can it, do it anytime. It's, a, it's effective. It freaking works. People have transformed their lives way more than I ever imagined and through that. And you don't have to wait now. Yeah. You don't have to wait until we open up at, you know, three or four times a year. But, but where I'm going with that is financially to cut the price by 68% and to not do a launch for it financially was a massive impact on primal potential. And I have no idea if I'm going to look back in two years or five years and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we did that. Or if I'm going to look back and be like, what a nightmare. But what I do know is that I'm not limited in where I go from here, right? If something's not working, I can change it. If I make a mistake, I can course correct. There is very, very, very little in life, even though we love to convince ourselves otherwise, that can't be optimized or adjusted or undone or redone or whatever. The reason people don't do these things is because they're looking for a sure thing. And there aren't many sure things in life. So get very, very clear on what it is that you want and then start to make steps. They don't necessarily have to be big steps, but they do have to be steps. One of the steps I made sometime last year was I really cut down on the amount of evening webinars I was doing because I was sometimes having like a late night twice a week, sometimes three times a week, all the time. And it's not like, oh, well, if I work until 9.30 at night, I don't start until 9.30 in the morning. No, I was starting at my normal time and I hated it. I was exhausted and I felt like I never got a break. So I, so I scaled back. That's the example of a tiny, tiny step, right? Doing something like dropping the price of the 12 weeks to transformation and having it open all the time, dropping it by 68%, that's a major step. But I know I'm not limited in what I do and where I go from here. And you have to allow yourself the understanding that nothing's a sure thing. So it just comes back to if you want to make big, tough, life-changing decisions, get really clear on what you want for your life and then start making steps, big or small, and know that it's not going to ever be a sure thing. You don't need it to ever be a sure thing. If you wait for something to be a sure thing, you're not going to do much in your life and you can always course correct. Yeah. Always. You really can. I could, you know, if I needed to, I could go get a job at Target. There isn't a target around here, but it's, I used to, there's the one in Hyannis. Oh yeah. I used to tell myself that all the time when I left my job, that was a huge decision, but like, okay, worst case scenario, I go get another job. Right. It's really not that big a deal. So, so since we're talking about life changing decisions, um, how do you decide what your number one goal should be? Cause that's going to, that's going to influence your decisions. You know, This is one of those things where I think people love clear delineation. This is most important. This is next most important. This is next most important. I believe that in real life, it's much more blurry than that. Right. Journaling is is the answer. (laughs) Journal. Just just get a journal. Um, (laughs) Change makers. There you go. Very, very rarely 
are you going to be able to say, because this person wants to know what your number one goal should be. Very, very rarely are you going to have certainty that this is number one and this is number two and this is number three. It's kind of like one-ish, two-ish, three-ish, one-ish, one-ish, one-ish. I've got three number ones and then like a number four. You don't have to, because for me, writing this book is a huge priority. Being healthy in this pregnancy is a huge priority. Making some shifts to our finances is a huge priority. Which is number one? I don't know. I mean, my health, I guess. But like the other ones are right there with it. You don't have to know number one. We do in the Changemakers Journal have one per month that is the primary, but that doesn't mean that that's like far and away the biggest, most important goal. No, it's just what we're choosing for a short period of time to be the primary. So my answer to this question is, I don't think you need to know what your number one goal should be. I think you need to have a very clear sense of your top few priorities and then allow yourself to give preferential focus to one versus another over short periods of time. But that doesn't mean that the primary focus for the month of February is the number one goal and everything else takes a back seat to that. It just means that we want to have periods of increased focus on things, but that that rotates. So I don't think you necessarily need to have a clear sense of what the number one goal is, but that's my opinion. Smiley, what are you smiling about uh, over there? I smile at things. He's like over there smiling, which means I know you're not smiling about what I'm saying, so you're doing something else. I know there are... A dozen paths to fat loss. This is our next question. Why do you think Mark Sisson, Brad Kearns, Gary Tobbs, and Mr. Mark Hyman build cases for keto as the way? Don't you think limiting veggies in order to stay below 20 grams of carbs is unhealthy? Okay, so basically the question is, why did these few leaders in the field, namely Mark Sisson, Brad Kearns, Gary Tobbs, and Mark Hyman, say that keto is the way to fat loss? Well, we could find four other big names that promote a different way. We could find 12 other names that promote a different way. So yeah, you can pick some big names that say keto is the way, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other influential leaders in the space of body composition, fat loss, nutrition, metabolism, et cetera, that suggest something else, right? I mean, to say like, it's, it's not an issue that you've now got four names that say keto is the way to fat loss, right? Because there's another infinite number of names that will promote a different path. I think it's the Atkins same thing. Or... It's the same. Well, that's more or less keto. But so it's the same thing with fitness. We could find three major figures in fitness that are like lift heavy weights, never do cardio. Do right? calisthenics, don't do this. And then mean, we could find another few big names that say like, if you just lift heavy weights and you don't do cardio, then this, da, 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 right? You're always going to find a collection of experts that are in agreement on one path. And then there's another collection of agreements. So I don't think it's like super significant that we can come up with a few names who believe in essentially a very low-carb, high-fat way. Now, I will say this. There, there are very valid reasons, because this question is about fat loss, right? Why are these prominent experts in the field saying that keto is the way to fat loss? One of the big reasons is that one of the primary factors at play in obesity, weight gain, uh, body composition challenges is insulin. 
right? And the fact that most people do overconsume carbohydrates. So with insulin being at the center point of fat storage versus fat burning, it's obvious why there is a strong case for a very low carb diet, right? I've probably done 20 or 30 episodes of this podcast on insulin. And when we look at what allows your body to be in fat burning mode or what puts your body in fat storage mode, insulin is at the center of that conversation. We take insulin out of the problem piece of this when we keep blood sugar very low because we have a higher degree of insulin sensitivity and we see fat burning. That to me is really, really straightforward, not a mystery at all. Now, the second part of the question is, don't you think limiting veggies in order to stay below 20 grams of carbs is unhealthy? My first thought is, compared to what, right? If you're coming at me eating the way I used to eat, going to Chick-fil-A in the breakfast, for breakfast, getting chicken minis, chicken biscuit, hash browns, then going out for Japanese food for lunch and having a huge pile of rice, it's probably at least a cup and a half of rice, covered in sauces that have sugars in them with a little bit of meat and veggies, and then, you know, whatever pasta I would have for dinner plus ice cream. Um, is limiting carbs below 20 grams and not having a lot of veggies unhealthy? Not compared to that. It's relative. Now, the other thing is a lot of the people in the keto is the best way to burn fat world subtract out fiber so you're not really limiting vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you have there, if, if you and I sat down with Mark Sisson or Mark Hyman and said, wait, so are you saying that I can't have four cups of broccoli a day? They would be like, no, I'm not saying that. You can absolutely be in this insulin sensitive, more keto state, very low carb state and have four cups of broccoli, that's not metabolized the same way as an equal amount of carbs from white rice or from sugar. You're not going to have a conversation with these guys where they're like, yeah, broccoli is a problem. So that's not the intent of what they're saying, even if you're reading it that way. And most of them do have allowances for the fiber that comes from vegetables. But honestly, if you find somebody that's like, keep your carbs, you know, below 20 grams in order to be in ketosis and you don't like that and you don't think it's healthy, don't do it. If anybody's advice strikes you as unhealthy, brilliant. Don't do it. Absolutely positively don't do it. But we can't lose the essence of what they're saying through the nuances. They're not telling you not to eat broccoli or cauliflower. They're not. What they're telling you is to minimize sugar, starch, from all sources, okay? They're not telling you that fiber is the reason people are overweight. They would all agree that it's not. So we have to be less myopic in our interpretation of what anybody says. But I think there's a very clear reason that they make a case for a very low carb, higher fat diet. It's all about insulin, right? But again, we could find as many experts saying that another path is the way one is not right. One is not wrong. There are many ways to lose weight. A lot of it has to do with your preferences, your lifestyle, and what you can stick to. And a lot of it has to do with your baseline, right? If you are somebody who has been very low carb, but overeating fat for the last five years and being like, I don't know why this doesn't work for me, then you <laughs> might need a very different approach. But if you're somebody who's been on the standard American diet, this might be brilliant for you. There's more than one way.
Thanks Next question. About that. I'd love to hear an update on how your pregnancy is going, an update on your house renovations. You want to give an update on the house renovations? Phase two is almost complete. It's really not phase two, though. Because, like, we did this Phase office. three is almost complete. Yeah. The upstairs is effectively done. Yeah, we just little touch-ups. Um, punchless stuff that they're dragging their feet on. Um, so we renovated, for those of you that are new, we bought a very, very, very old farmhouse. It was built in 1707. You're hard-pressed to find a house much older than that, wouldn't you say? Uh, there is one here in Sandwich that I know of. But in Ho- general... The Hoxie house. In, in general, in this country, that's yeah, get, real given, darn old. Given we started getting here, you know, about 16, 20. Yeah, it's tough to find something still standing that's before 1707. Right. So we bought it 17 built in 1707. It had been updated probably in the 70s. Yeah, maybe the 1970s. Maybe, maybe early 80s, but mm. it wasn't good. No, it I mean, wasn't. Mm. We bought it it was like dark, it was dank, it was bleh, bleh, bleh. It, it had the brick linoleum. The brick picture linoleum in oh. the kitchen. It was oh man. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> dark dark cabinets, dark dark beams. Anyway, um last year, well 2019, we gutted the entire downstairs and renovated that. Almost the entire. We left one room untouched. Not entirely untouched. <laughs> we did a wall, but we did that part ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> then this year, well, 2020, after Dagny died, we did the upstairs. We added square footage upstairs. We added a mudroom downstairs. And that is basically complete. Uh, we're breaking ground on a pool uh, the day after tomorrow. Wednesday. Yeah, the day after tomorrow, which is bonkers. And then after the pool, there's going to be a break for a while. Yes, yeah, so at least next, a month and a half of a break. Well, no, because the next the next phase requires us to not be in the house for like six weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, much. so that's that's probably at least six months away, and we need our tenant to be gone by then. Uh, so maybe. it probably yeah. will happen in the next six months to a year, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Probably not even six. Like. Yeah. Next year, year and a half. Eight months to a year. Um, So, yeah, we'll have to be out of the house for a while because we are going to, that's called crib. We're going to crib the house. In this this scenario, we'll actually be jacking the house up to pour a foundation underneath the oldest part of the house that just has a crawl space. So that then we have like a full basement throughout. Yes. And it doesn't make sense to do the phase after that until that is done. You guys, we have so many phases that we want to do here. It's a little absurd. Yes. Like, seriously, we just go buy some change makers journals. (laughs) 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 We have like 100 phases. Um, So that's that's the update on the house. The house is essentially done-ish for now. um, And we're putting in a saltwater pool that starts this week. Update on the pregnancy. So yeah, we're third trimester. Still pregnant. We're 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 in the third trimester. Um, the only physical thing that I can kind of like gripe about is I'm starting to show the <laughs> the carpal tunnel. Um, but some things have definitely helped with that chiropractic, acupuncture, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, baby boy, due in the next two or three months. Um, he seems to be doing well so far. I'm doing well so far. This pregnancy is, uh, food is a lot easier in this pregnancy. I had a ton of food aversions with Dagny that that I don't have here. So I feel like food is more normal than it was with her. Um, plus, when I was pregnant with Dagny, we didn't have a kitchen. 
That's true. <laughs> for like six months of the pregnancy, we didn't have a kitchen. So I think that was a really, really big factor too. In fact, we, so for the most part, we didn't have a kitchen and we only had the bathroom upstairs. Then like the last month of the pregnancy, we were in the apartment. So we had a tiny, tiny kitchen, but not like a super functional space. Um, So that has made it a whole lot easier. Even though we had renovations going on upstairs, the downstairs was totally fine. So we had a kitchen. So that has made this pregnancy a lot easier. But yeah, that's, that's about all there is to say about that. Why are you laughing? This next one's not a question. You know who this came from? No, I don't. Dr. Beth Westy submitted this next one. Hi, Dr. Beth. It's the last one. I want to hear more about the goats. <laughs> they don't leave yet, kids, because we haven't announced the winner, but you want to give a little update on the goats? Our goats are great. We have um, four we have goats. Four, one female, <clears throat> three males. She's going to be, I bet and, she's and, pregnant and already. She, two, two of the males are not fixed, so they've been doing their thing. Brown and, chicken, brown cow. And goats have a five-month gestation. Yeah, 150 days. And they they typically birth in the spring. So I'm guessing that we will have be, baby goats. Maybe. And my guess is that Elsa's already pregnant. Maybe. She might be. I mean, I check on her every day, and she's not seeming to grow. And Not yet, but I mean. She is super springy now, though. She jumps all. Like, I come down the food, and she is jumping and bouncing everywhere. They have big, big personalities. They're so darn funny. You know what we haven't shared with people? What? Um, the go- we haven't told them about tail and the goats no, rolling no, tail. No. So we have a rooster. Well, had a rooster. We had a rooster named Tail. And if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw pictures because Tail, our rooster that we rescued from our neighbors, because their chickens. Way to go us. Their, their chickens were beating up the rooster. So we took it. Well, then. He was with our chickens for months and months and months. Probably and then, close to a year. And then one day I go down to check on them and, and he's bloody. Yeah. And I look around, and the other one of our big, bigger chickens is is bloody. And I'm like, okay, they had at it. That, turns out we had a rooster that didn't decide he was going to be a rooster until yeah. later that in night. life. So typically, you don't have multiple roosters living together because, because they, fight. they fight. So one of what we thought was a chicken was a late bloomer rooster, and when that rooster decided it was a rooster, it entailed kind of had conflict. So the solution was. Let's move Tail in with the goats. And we didn't know if it was going to work or not, but it worked brilliantly. Tail loved the goats. And Tail's like a mini rooster. He's teeny, yeah, he teeny, a, he teeny, tiny guy. compared to the other rooster that's like three or four times bigger. A Tyrannosaurus bigger. Rex. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like if you saw this rooster, you would think this rooster was like a small dinosaur. Um. That rooster's huge. So Tail moved in with the goats. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen pictures where like Tail's riding around on the goat's back and like just, just chilling with the rooster or and, the goats. And he, he would eat uh, he would eat the same pellets the goats ate. He'd just <laughs> chill underneath them when it was feeding time. And he'd just pick up whatever they dropped. Yeah, and they were like buddies. Uh, he'd sleep with them. And I one morning uh, a couple weeks ago, I go up to feed the goats and no tail. Yeah. I'm um, looking. I'm like, okay. So I go and I look in their little igloo hut that the goats will sleep in sometimes. And there was tail. And it looks like he was in there snuggling up, being warm. And they ended up on top of him. And so tail didn't make it. He did not make it. But so, apparently this is a very common thing with with baby goats, too. Yeah, that sometimes they get smothered. Yes. And so, unfortunately, it was our tail that got smothered. And that's just, far, like, it's super hard for me. It, it is. is super hard for me. I, I take it a little bit better. I mean, it sucks. 
Yeah. It doesn't feel good. It's not the way I want to start my day, but I also know it, it wasn't a malicious thing. He wasn't attacked by an animal. It was... We didn't do something wrong in caring for him, but it sucks. Yeah. So the goats are fine, but Go- Tail... Goats don't even notice, apparently. But Tail didn't survive, um, but he did have a good life with the goats. So yeah, we started with two goats, then we got three more so we had five and then we lost one and so now we have four I put, it, I put it into adopt five the other day and we don't have space for nine goats yes we do there's plenty of space down there for nine goats so who knows that that's our and people want to know like why do we have goats because goats are cool I mean, as they get more mature, I can put them out at other people's houses, and they can help with land management. And that's because they love to eat really poison ivy and stuff. Well, po- poison ivy—they're really good at getting rid of brush. Yeah. Um, they'll and they just do it naturally. It's a chemical-free way of taking care of properties. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And milk. Yeah. Breeding. I mean, we plan to try at least some goat milk, goat cheese. Yeah. Give it a shot. And Dr. Beth Westy, you can you can see the goats when you come out here someday. That's right. She's coming. I know she is. She's coming. I can't wait. So, yeah, the goats are good. They're fun. They're loud. But even if our neighbors complain, um, we have... I don't care. We're an agricultural property. So that's right. Like, yeah, that's, that's that. But we love the goats. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, I put pictures of them sometimes. They're, they're very... They're like happy dogs in their personality. Yeah. Like they jump up on you. They want to be scratched. They want to be near you. Like they're very um, like friendly. Yeah. To Elizabeth's dismay, I've been letting them out once in a while when I'm in, down in the yard. And she's like, no. Well, because I'm afraid that they're going to run away. But they don't. They, they, they actually respond Well, and I'm also afraid well. that Rumi is going to eat them. And Rumi doesn't. He hasn't yet. You know. Two of them got horns. They're going to mess him up. That's the thing. Like two of them Bam. with the horns, they, they, it's like play to them to ram things. Yeah. And they just take off full freaking bore and plow you into the side of something. So Rumi wouldn't last long. Let's announce our winner. The winner gets a bottle of sleep plus. Who is it? At SP Bayan. That's at S-P-B-Y-A-N-N. If that is you, email Christopher at primalpotential.com. Tell him you're the winner for 857, and we will get you a bottle of sleep plus no matter where in the world you live. Also, feel free to email me your hate mail over my bad Parkinson's joke. Oh, gosh. Um, I got nothing to say about that. Three ways to win. Every single Saturday, we give stuff away. Three ways to win. You can leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave a review of Chasing Cupcakes on Amazon, or, and you can do this infinite number of times and get infinite chances to win post on Facebook or Instagram an episode of this podcast that you are listening to or something you've learned from the show just make sure to tag me tagging me on Instagram is at Elizabeth Benton tagging me on Facebook is at primal potential podcast otherwise I won't see it that's all we got so you're gonna go try and not not demolish my office with an excavator I'm gonna try wish me luck guys All right. Everybody have an amazing day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform.